Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers 4DC. Welcome to The Echo Chamber. This is Arun Sudham and I'm joined today by Lauren Moore, who is the Vice President of Communications at Ford of Canada. Lauren, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks very much for having me. Um, You've just finished a really interesting session today, I thought, on modernizing um, public relations and communications teams. It's something we've covered in a lot of detail at the Homes Report. We've actually just released uh, research into this via our our Global Communications Report in conjunction with um, the USC Center for PR. And it's obviously something that everyone is grappling with, whether that's in-house or on the agency side. How, How do they handle these kind of massive changes in terms of technology and digital and so on? And there were a few things that you talked about during your session that I wanted to maybe ask you a little bit about. Um, first of all, you, you mentioned that uh, you or, you or communicators like yourself have to be translators between um, the company version of the story and perhaps the, the public version that will resonate more. Um, is that something that's still a difficult case to make internally? I think there's a, a, a growing appreciation for it. Um, but it still is our role to kind of have our firm, our feet planted firmly inside the firm, but always be looking out to that external world mm-hmm. and being that translator to, here's the message the company really wants to send, but how do we make that something that people are going to care about mm-hmm. and really want to listen to and really resonate with them? Mm-hmm. And it's definitely our role as communicators to take that information and and package it and create a message and a story. A real, The story is key that is going to be compelling to people. Because right now, they're so bombarded by information. If you have any chance to break through, it has to be something that resonates with them and matters to them and matters to the way they live their life. Mm. So in a way, you're kind of representing the public uh, as much as you're representing the company. I think we have a very unique role to play in that because we are externally facing and we are always, you know, watching all those channels and we're on all those channels and we have that view um, from the external world. It's our job to bring that view into our organizations mm. and, um, you know, and play, represent the consumers in that way within our organizations. Mm. And even when that view sometimes is, is a little, uh, might make people uncomfortable internally. I think that's sometimes the case, um, mm. but at the same time, if you are, you know, providing services and products to consumers, that understanding is is crucial. Mm. And um, and you know, we have a lot of great information. We really have to be selective about you know what we take out to, to the external world and what's going to matter to them. And I, I like to say that you know we always should ask the question of any kind of information or product or feature or something that comes up that we need to you know promote in some way. The question is, how's that going to change people's lives? Mm. You know, right. how do we and and that question often makes people go huh but it also mm. kind of you know crystallizes what the challenge is out there we have to make it matter or the consumers will move on to the to the next thing yeah and i think you know it's a, it's it's a challenge for companies right because they still think in terms of well, how can I sell the product rather than, well, actually, how will this benefit the, the person? Right. Yeah. But you're going to purchase what is going to help you live your life better. Mm, right. And so it's our job to kind of take that extra step and mm-hmm. take that story to, to that level. Sure. You also mentioned um, how important it is for communications to be integrated into business planning rather than um, the to kind of perhaps the, the stereotype of, of communications coming in at the end of the process. Is that something that's changed at Ford? 
I, mean, I think we're very fortunate for that communications uh, is a role that, you know, for example, my role reports directly to the CEO. That's the same uh, mm -hmm. situation at the global level as well. We're part of the executive management team. And I think that's in recognition, again, that we do bring that unique point of view from the external world into the company. And mm -hmm. that that is vital as you're planning for the business and you're planning for new products and making those strategic choices um, that outside voice that consumer view is is very important mm. and how does how is data in all its many uh, shapes and sizes uh, whether big or small how is that helping you do your job um, and and how are you kind of uh, analyzing and monitoring data in a way that's helping you tell those stories it's a wonderful advantage today that we have so much instant information about how our messages are being received and how our stories are being perceived out there. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and the, I mean, the amount of data can be actually overwhelming. So you need a process in place that makes it a strategic uh, tool for you, mm -hmm. and that's very very important because you know some data is, is, is you know more useful than other, and mm -hmm. you have to be able to sort that, and you have to be able to sort it very quickly. Mm -hmm. So for example, you know before we head into to, you know, a major campaign, a program, we'll do some research on just a basic media scan to begin with about, you know, what is the environment out there on this issue? What else is being talked about? How will our message be received based on, you know, what's already out there? Um, we'll even test messaging itself uh, mm. with do, through some consumer research um, to see if the way we think we should portray that story is really going to resonate and matter to people. Mm -hmm. And then as the story is out and develops, you can get minute to minute you know, updates in terms of how it's being interpreted out there mm -hmm. and how it's being received and make those fine adjustments to make sure um, that the story is, is being perceived the way that you were hoping for. Mm. So this idea of the, of the communications plan, uh, whether that's a document, whether it's like a, a three-month campaign, surely that's, that's gone now, that kind of thinking. Well, I think, you know, you have to plan well because mm -hmm. resources are tight and people's time is, is precious, or, but the, that whole, you know, create a 20-page PowerPoint document um, with a plan, I, I think those days are gone. Mm. Um, I think you need to have a very clear objective. You have to have a very clear sense of what of who your audience is, and then you really, really have to know where is that audience spending its time. Mm. And those key elements, once you have those in place and you've developed the story that is going to connect with that audience in a meaningful way, then you're off to the races. I think mm -hmm. you know the days, like I said, of these you know very long presentations or you know multiple page powerpoints. Um, I think we're just moving a lot faster than that now. Mm. But it also calls for different skills, doesn't it? Because, you know, uh, interestingly in our research, and, and a little worryingly, when we asked people what skills they value the most in, in terms of hiring, they, they said written written skills still c come top. And, and you know, that's the traditional view, but you're talking about things like data, and of course, we're, you know, we have visual storytelling and video and all of these areas. How is that changing the kind of skills you're hiring into your teams? I think what we are seeing is that we're truly a, um, a broad blended team. So, mm -hmm. you know, at Ford of Canada, we work with, you know, more than a half a dozen different agencies mm -hmm. so that we can pull those skills based on how we want to tell each story from all of those different groups who have expertise in those areas. I do 
I do think writing is still very important because at the at the beginning of the whole process, mm. you have to find that story, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes that you know you got to put a whole bunch of ideas into that tumbler and and you know kind of distill it down to that essence of what is really going to matter to people. So writing skills are always important because then that from there you build on to okay, here are the visual pieces, here are are the other components, the the gifts, the blogs, or whatever it is that you're going to use to tell that story. Um, but we approach it from a team, a blended team perspective where we pull in the people who have all those great skills mm. um, when we need them for each campaign. Mm. And how has it changed your approach to in terms of how people work? Because, um, you know, they, people want flexibility. Um, they don't necessarily want to, to, to be in the office all the time. And you're looking for maybe talent that, that doesn't necessarily want to be in an, of, in an office, for example, all the time. Absolutely. I mean, the 24-7 nature of what we do now means that you have to let people work the way that it, it works for them mm. and let them set their schedules where they can deliver what they need to deliver, how they need to deliver it. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I think that flexibility, the idea that people are going to be in the office, you know, from nine to five, I think all of that has, you know, has, has completely changed. Mm. Um, and if you want to keep the best people on your team, you want to keep those communications uh, uh, people uh, with you, then you have to respect the fact that they're going to work when and where it makes the most sense for them and their lives. Mm. And last question, do you think the role of, of communications head within a big company like Ford has changed um, significantly over say the last five to ten years? Absolutely. I think um, in certainly in terms of just because the landscape has changed so much. So our mm -hmm. mandate has expanded significantly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just a few years ago, it was, you know, much more focused on just on media relations and, you know, auto journalists. Now, when you look at the types of audiences and influ influencers we're working with, um, you know, but 70% of them are non-automotive, you would consider to be non-automotive. Mm. So that's been a significant change. And just the number of channels that we now have access to to tell our stories, that has completely changed as well, which as you had mentioned, also means a different skill set and kind of evolving our competencies along the way. Mm. Okay. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us uh, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the Echo Chamber. We are at the World Public Relations Forum in Toronto. This is Arun Sudham, and I'm joined today by Alex Malouf, who is the Vice Chair of the Middle East PR Association. Alex, welcome. Thank you very much. We, beautiful Toronto. Yes, indeed. We are in Toronto at the World Public Relations Forum. So um, what brings you here, Alex, and how are you enjoying the conference so far? Well, first of all, it's a delight to, to be with you in the Homes Report. Thank you. Um, I, I was invited in by the Global Alliance, mm -hmm. um, loving the event beautiful setting mm -hmm. it's fantastic to to meet with other communicators from across the globe and to hear issues that we all face and surprisingly or unsurprisingly maybe it's a lot of issues which are common cause for concern yeah that's interesting I, I get that a lot when um, when we do so for example yesterday we presented the our global communications report research and there seems to be this view that different issues will resonate in different markets and that some markets are so far ahead that they don't have to worry about things like talent and modernization and budgets and yet it's the same concerns in every market which um which you know it tells its own story i guess i think the um the key topic here is cultural communications right and that is an issue we all face mm. be it from the u.s all the way over to asia mm-hmm um, trying to find common cause or trying to find the the best means to 
to reach out to a diverse group mm. of publics. Uh, and it's good to see the efforts being made by everybody here to tackle those issues. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the world around us, and we have extremism both in the Middle East and other regions, and we have you know, a gentleman like Donald Trump um, mm-hmm. in the, um, the presidential race to be. He's the Republican uh, nominee. Yep. Um, we have to find means to tackle the issue of how we reach out to diverse audiences mm. and get our message across and then start conversations with those audiences. Sure, and you did, you actually um, presented a session on this yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm interested to hear about some of the things you talked about, you, you know, um, immersing yourself mm. in, in the lives of, of people in, in, in the Gulf, for example, where I imagine there is a lot of diversity, uh, but where perhaps um, the multinational companies and maybe the agencies that represent them uh, aren't, aren't always doing um, the best job of, of connecting with mm. that diversity. I've worked in the Gulf for around 12, 13 years in communications. And over that time, I've seen both clients and agencies not grasp the need to really get down and personal mm-hmm. with groups with consumers on the ground. Um, We've come away in terms of trying to localize communications, um, understanding what matters to to which groups, especially if you look at markets, say like Saudi, even in Saudi, if you go from Jeddah to Riyadh, from Mecca and Medina to the central region, the eastern region, people are different. They might have the same needs and desires, but the way they take information it's still unique to them, mm. to those individual groups. So we, we have to look at things differently. We have to try and build communications more from the ground up rather than take a, a global approach, mm. which still too many organizations are doing. Mm-hmm. Well, they just see it as the middle two letters in EMEA. Essentially, right. yeah. You know, we, we send out, as often people used to do, send out the press release, get mm. it into the media, and even now on the social side, you, know, you have your global calendar and you have your global content. Mm. You know, in, in a world where we should be celebrating those differences, we also should be understanding that if we're going to communicate with these groups, we need to do it in ways that they understand rather than that we push out to them mm. and dictate on them. And how do you think um, big companies can do that, multinational companies um, that, are, that are in the Gulf? How can they understand people on the ground better? I think the first thing, which is obvious, but we don't often do the obvious, get out of the office. Mm. Um, the industry is doing very well in the Gulf region. There's a lot of work. I keep hearing about constant pitches, uh, about more opportunities for the for the sector, and, and also an awareness among clients that PR needs to take up more of that budget. But the on from the other side, conversely, People say they have less time to, to get on with the work, to actually get out, to explore, to actually understand those groups. And you can't communicate for an ivory tower. You actually have to get out. You have to get into these markets. You have to engage. You have to observe. You have to ask questions and understand mm-hmm. these groups of people. Um, so that's the first thing. Get out, understand, ask the questions, find your aha moments, and then take the research back, the results back and then plugging them into how you communicate. Mm. So that's the first point. The second point is, 
actually finding local talent. Mm. Local talent is key to communicating locally. Mm. Because these are people who have grown up in communities who know intuitively how to reach out, who to work with in terms of influences, what messages to use, what media to use. These are the people who can do things without even thinking mm. in terms of communication. And that's, again, another issue which we have as an industry, finding good local talent, training them up and retaining them, mm. and keeping them in communications. And it, this actually um, links in quite nicely with the research that you've just come out with at MEPRA um, called The Benchmark, mm. which is a, a fairly in-depth study of the public relations mm. uh, industry and practices in the Middle East region. Um, one of the findings, of course, is that I think the ability to attract local talent is, is rated as one of the biggest challenges mm. by industries and in-house. Um, why is it such a challenge? We were looking across the region. Most of our respondents came from the Gulf. Mm -hmm. And in the Gulf region especially, many nationals see a clear choice between going for the private sector, which few of them still relatively do. The numbers are changing slowly. But the majority of nationals opt for the public sector. And it's clear why I think anybody in their position would do. You've got higher salaries for many of them, especially in Qatar and the UAE. Mm -hmm. Shorter working hours. Mm -hmm. And there's also family pressures as well. You know, all your family is working in the ministry, so therefore why would you go and work in the private sector mm. where the hours are longer? And especially for a woman, often there are cultural issues mm. in terms of going out and, and mixing with men who you do not know. So maybe for the, for the new generation that is not an issue, but for the older generation they would see it as a concern. What I've, what I've witnessed is a slight change in markets such as Saudi, where you have uh, agencies which are founded by Saudi nationals, you have tracks, you have Adelaide and other agencies um, who have put out a message basically by their actions that you can work as a Saudi national on the agency side, develop yourself and become a communications professional through learning by the agency work or with an agency. Mm. That hasn't happened in smaller markets, mm. in Qatar and the UAE. I've seen or I've witnessed a couple of nationals working in an agency setting but it's still a rarity. Yeah. Agency settings are primarily expat. Expat-led. Employees. Yeah, and even at the mid and junior level, it's yes. still largely expat? Yeah, it's expats, um, obviously from Europe, from the UK, from yeah. Asia, and also from the Middle East. But even the Middle East, it's a harder proposition to find good communicators. Yeah. Um, it's hard to bring over communicators from Syria because of the situation in the country. Yeah. Um, Egypt was also a challenge um, but we're, we're lacking that, that local um, know-how in yeah. our teams because we are unable to attract nationals um, we've, we've got to do a better job of working with universities working with yeah. grassroots 
selling well, the industry selling as, a, industry. as a viable career is there um, an interest in joining the communications world there, there is an interest you look at some of the universities which offer communications uh, in the Middle East especially in the Gulf um, and it's, it's a growing field for them Zion um, University which we work with as MEPRA um, they have around 500 plus students who are studying communications um, primarily women you know, 90-95% of them are female mm. Um, so th there's there's a, a growing dynamic mm -hmm. at that grassroots level, mm. but it's for the agency industry to step in yeah. and say to them, say to universities, look, we need this talent. Mm. You know, we need you as local communicators. How can we convince you to come over to our side and work with us to improve not just what we do as an agency, but also as well work for our clients because many clients in the region especially on the multinational side, have a similar issue in that they don't have locals. Mm, so even really. though they are selling into the region, they are not led from a communications perspective by people who know the region. Wow. Is there a cultural issue at all? Because, you know, in the US and the UK, um, I think what you end up with is agency cultures that are very homogenous and um, are not very good at incorporating uh, diverse cultures within just within an office. Mm. D d is that an, an issue at all? Because that would be a real shame if it was. The, the agency culture is fairly diverse. Mm. You go into any office, you're going to find Asians, you'll find Europeans, mm. you'll find Arabs. Okay, right. But the, the local component is, mm. is the one missing piece. Right. Uh, but it is, it's a big missing piece. Yeah. Because even if you look at, say, at Saudi, Saudi, you've got 20 million Saudi nationals that we should be communicating effectively with. Mm. And again, you know, we're missing that part of the communication story. Mm -hmm. It's slowly changing, but in the key markets such as UAE and Qatar, we need to do more work. Mm. And how much of an issue is it that the, the, the industry, the public relations industry, is largely centered in Dubai, which is not you know, which is, uh, uh, which is a, an international city, very low mm. local pr proportion of the population. Mm. It's a challenge in terms of understanding other markets. Mm. Um, Dubai is a beautiful place. It's a place which attracts a lot of talent. Mm. Uh, but once you're in Dubai, it's, it's hard to leave Dubai. Mm. Um, so you ask many people, have you traveled to smaller markets, say, like Saudi? Or like Kuwait or like Qatar many people have but for me not enough have mm. um, it's it's nice and easy it's in Dubai it's fantastic <laughs> you know everything is everything is is convenient yeah it's, it's a comfortable place to be yeah no tax no <laughs> no tax no direct taxation even though right. I'm sure that will be changing soon okay. sooner or later um, but as an industry we are seeing more growth of independent agencies mm. in markets outside of Dubai. Yeah. So, again, in Saudi, mm. in smaller markets, especially as well with the rise of social. Mm. Um, I think social has helped to to grow the, the PR sector um, in markets like Kuwait mm. and in Bahrain, where there's been a, an interest from the marketing functions in what social can do, but a lack of understanding in the, the dialogue Mm. aspect of what social entails mm. so therefore again with social in particular because it is focused on the nationals you need those local insights mm. so it's it's a good thing for the region and also as well 
we have a new market opening up for for many of us, which is Iran, which yeah. is only you know it's about an hour and a half flight, two hours from Dubai to Tehran, a market of 80 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will be very exciting over the next 12 months, right? Because there are very few, actually, from what I know, there are no multinational agencies as of now in Tehran. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a, it's a huge opportunity, yeah. either for local agencies in Tehran or agencies in Dubai who want to then move in. But with Tehran, you really need with Iran, you need local insights yeah. because the language is Farsi. Yeah, dealing with the government. You need local yeah. understanding, local insights, um, dealing with activations as well, and also the media. It is purely focused on, it needs to be focused on Iranian nationals. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, quite. it's just so complex, I would imagine, if you're sitting in uh, in a, in a <clears throat> American city, uh, to, to understand perhaps the diversity at play, uh, when you're used to seeing the region as just one. Mm. One, one, well, it always one has been just simply meaner. Yeah, it has been. Uh, of course, the place yeah. where when they speak Arabic, North Africa as well. But when when you try and you know when I go to Morocco and I try and speak Arabic, <laughs> doesn't I'm, get you very uh, yeah, far. Yeah, I'm not going to get me very far. You know, yeah. maybe you'll get but me from the airport to the hotel, but yeah. that's pretty much those it. markets. You definitely see the local agencies. Mm. Though, you of, do of, are much more much stronger. But you are very far away from Dubai. You are yeah. far away from the Gulf. Oh gosh, yeah. and even markets like Lebanon, you see a lot of local agencies. Uh, but the Gulf, because of Dubai's location, mm-hmm. because of issues rounding access, such as, for example, with Saudi, where you need a visa to go in, and mm. you cannot get a visa on arrival. Yeah, and Dubai setting up a business natural. as well is, is and in Qatar and is, Saudi. Is easy, yeah. yeah, relatively speaking. Yeah. But we're also fortunate because, as we found out with the benchmark, uh, there's still a lot of optimism in terms of growth. Yeah. Okay. One of the things in the report I noticed in, in, in the benchmark was that. Um, a higher proportion of people actually think investment in PR is, is going to decline or is declining. Isn't that a worrying sign? We have, we have on the, it's almost like a tale of, of two industries, mm. in a sense. We have 30% plus who think that there will be an increase in spending, mm-hmm. but we have uh, double the percentage of people who think spending will either stay the same, stay flat or decline this year vis-a-vis last year. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very much reflective of the industries that people work in. Mm-hmm. So if you look at oil and gas, which has been the mainstay of industry in the Gulf, yeah, obviously we've had prices drop like a barrel. Yeah, it's hurting um, hurting agencies here in Canada as well. Yeah, and now it's now it's fifty, and we're mm-hmm. fortunate it's risen up to fifty from you know a, a bottom around thirty. So, in terms of oil and gas or any energy specific energy focused industries, there will definitely be a drop. Mm-hmm. And similarly on government, because oil and gas provides a majority of government's spending financing, there will also be most likely cut-off on spending for those sectors. Mm. Um, in terms of private industries, you look at FMCG, you look at transportation, hospitality, I would say those industries are still very positive. Mm. Um, tourism is a big sector mm. for markets like the UAE, for Qatar. Mm-hmm. Saudi also wants to make that play as well. And the investments keep rolling in as you see from the airlines mm. or from the hospitality operators. 
Uh, similarly, in terms of consumer spending, it hasn't dropped significantly. Mm. We're still posting good growth, relatively speaking, when you compare it to other regions mm. in the world. So I think, as, mm. as always, the comms practice, the comms function is indicative of, of what is happening in the wider economy. Mm. Sure. Well, Alex, thank you so much for your time. We will let you get back to the conference now, uh, and hopefully we'll have you back on the Echo Chamber soon. Thanks very much. Pleasure. Thank you very much, Aaron. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Marketeers 4DC for producing today's show. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. 